Occupy a Job on Wall Street is an autobiographical novel about New York City and the aughts, centering around a protagonist who is mentored by three sociopaths. The author has more than 15 years of experience on Wall Street bracketing the same time period. While everything that follows is an accurate description of the world he witnessed, names have been changed to protect people's identities. Episode 29, Barbarian Days. This episode is a sequel to episode 28, so let's recap where we left off. I found myself in a herd of clowns out on a Thursday night, and we're on our way to an ASPCA fundraiser at the Interactive Offices, which is the Barry Diller building that looks like an iceberg on the West Side Highway. We just bailed out of a local bar called The Park in the Meatpacking District to get away from the NYPD and begin walking over to the fundraiser. On the way over there, I get separated from the guys I arrived with and find myself with two very different personalities. Both need a little introduction, so bear with me. We'll get to the ASPCA party itself shortly. The first was a Delta One trader from a bulge bracket firm. He was a tough Staten Island guy nicknamed Soup. When I say tough, I mean this guy was an ox. I'd take him over Ray Donovan any day of the week. He was originally a bookie, and on the side he'd hurt people who needed to be hurt for the local authorities. And by the local authorities, I'm referring to the Italians, not the shitty Irish mob. Legend has it, Soup did time in Rikers, and when he was about to be released into general population, he found himself in processing with three other guys. One was a wise guy like him, and the other two were African-American guys. The four of them were strategizing how to survive, and he impresses on the two black guys, it's important to make a stand against the other inmates immediately. So he tells them, First thing you do, go find the toughest Negro in here and bring him over to me. Later that day, they bring the resident thug over in the recreation yard, and Soup promptly houses him. A huge fight kicks off with the two new black guys fighting alongside Soup and the fourth inmate against the existing inmates. Maybe the whole thing was an urban myth, but you get the picture that Soup was the kind of guy you'd have to shoot if you wanted to hurt him. The other person with me was an Antipodean we'll call Knuckles. Now, he worked for one of the biggest hedge funds in the world. Even if you're not in finance, trust me, you'd have heard of the founder. But this guy used to be a carpenter before he was on Wall Street, and he'd be more at home in a Queens public house than alongside the rarefied Manhattan set. The three of us get on pretty well, and as we head into the interactive building fundraiser, we're quickly surrounded by well-dressed, beautiful women and equally well-behaved, sophisticated males. I find the interactive offices as incredible as people told me they would be. We're only allowed access to the lobby and the first floor, but the walls are covered in what I assume is the best art money can buy. There are antiques everywhere you look and all sorts of paraphernalia that the dealers have collected from over the world. The centerpiece is a giant carved wooden Indian. It's not quite a totem pole, but it towers over the event like an ancient god observing some sort of bacchanal. We line up and make our way to reception with our tickets to be checked in, and when we're up, the front woman checking tickets rolls her eyes at Knuckles and asks which of us is going to be responsible for him. This seems very odd until Knuckles happily explains to me he's been thrown out of the event two out of the past three years. He promises to behave, but I still think it's wiser to quickly lose him in the crowd, and fortunately, I soon find other colleagues to talk to at the bar. The party itself is everything it's cracked up to be. It's for a good cause, the attendees are friendly to a person, the open bar is top shelf, and the music is great. Two or three hours pass enjoyably. 
until one of my friends points out Bradley Cooper's wife at the bar talking to Knuckles. Intrigued, we make our way over there to join them. As we approach, Knuckles gets up out of his seat next to her and states, <laughs> You know, you're hot, but this conversation is mediocre. Then he sees us and says, Good day, guys. Bloody oath. I'm getting a bit legless and it's time to cause some drama. Let me translate. In Australian, that means one, he's drunk, and two, it's time to get in a fight. Knuckles looks over our shoulder and he sees Soup, who you should remember is the Staten Island guy we walked over to the party with. Soup has met one of his regular girlfriends, something he refers to as a repeater. She's a ballet dancer or something, and Soup is holding her way up in the air, her legs are wrapped around his chest, and the two of them are making out like a couple of teenagers first in love. Knuckles frowns and yells, Crikey, that Drongo is being a bit iffy with a PDA like that. I'm going to go sort him out. Which in Australian means, one, public displays of affection are inappropriate in a venue like this, and two, he is going to tell him so. Knuckles rolls over there and Soup sees him coming, puts his repeater down on the ground, and greets Knuckles by offering him one of the 15 beers he has set up on the table. Knuckles slaps it out of his hand and it shatters against the wall. Soup looks at Knuckles. Knuckles looks at Soup. Knuckles is smiling. Soup is frowning. They exchange a couple of words, and then Soup decides it's time to take Knuckles to the cleaners. However, Soup hasn't been in a proper fight for two or three years, and as he goes to take Knuckles' head off with a punch, he loses his balance and falls right through one of the stylish antique tables that have been tastefully placed around the function with ASPCA flyers on them. Knuckles sees him hit the ground, double taps his forearm like Macho Man Randy Savage, and drops a WWF elbow on his back. The two of them are rolling around like a bunch of idiots in the shattered remains of the table for a while until the doormen restrain them. Normally they'd be thrown right out, but security have a bit of a problem. If they let them go and the table is some sort of heirloom or something, there needs to be consequences. So they hold on to the two of them underneath the big Indian statue by the door while someone gets Barry Diller on the phone. Now, Barry Diller is worth $4 billion. He doesn't know or care which guests are at his function or how much furniture there is left in his lobby. Eventually, the manager relays his message to Soup that he has to pay $350 for the table. Soup says, sold! Then he snatches the phone off the guy and says, Hey, Diller, how much for the wooden Indian? Episode 30, Robbie Stevens, will be released soon. Please subscribe to listen.